I'm Kate. And I'm Jesse. And you're listening to Cocktails and Content Creation. <laughs> Let's do this. So instead of investing all this money in a solution and then it not working out, this kind of allows you to have some easy, easy things to implement that are cost effective for your business and you can adjust as you go along. Welcome to Cocktails and Content Creation, the podcast dedicated to helping you easily create content with confidence. I'm Kate Andrews. And I'm Jesse Wyman. Welcome back to another episode of Cocktails and Content Creation, episode 71. If you're enjoying the podcast, why not leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening? We would love to know what you think. For today's episode, we're talking about how to find your ideal client with design thinking, which going to be completely upfront. I have no idea what that means. And I'm Me very neither. excited to find out more from our guest, Sydney. But before we get any further, what are you drinking today, Jesse? So I'm drinking a White Claw, which is actually George's go-to drink I always of the find summer. Hysterical. It's so reason. funny. It's so funny to watch him out on those Adirondack chairs in our backyard drinking a White Claw, but it's actually really refreshing. It's not necessarily my go-to summer drink. I think, um, you know, I prefer a little bit to me, they almost almost don't have enough flavor, but it's what was in the fridge. And I was lazy to go out and get anything else. Well, so I know that this episode is airing later in May, but uh, we are recording a little bit before the day before Cinco de Mayo. So I am really looking forward to some pina coladas. And mm. yeah. And, Will you and actually then- blend them up? Oh, well, why not? Yeah, why not? I mean, I guess that's really the only way to have you can't have a pina colada yep. on the rocks, can you? I don't think so. It's not as not as good. Not <laughs> uh, as good. I don't know if I've ever seen that now that I think about it. Okay. Yeah. So you'll blend them, maybe yep. put a little umbrella into it. Yeah. And then of course the Saturday is the derby. So um, which I am really not into horse racing, but my nanny is. And so she like we all give this is so funny. We all give her a dollar. And she, it's like, we place a bet on a horse that's going to win. Like she is like, we don't like, we're not like, oh, I want this horse. Like she randomly picks them out of a hat mm. and like, we all get grouped together. So like Alex, Ariel and I will have a horse together. We don't know which one. And we just get it randomly pulled ahead, but we all give her a dollar and whoever's horse wins gets this much money. And then the second horse, you know, whoever's the second horse gets this much money. So we've kind of gotten into it, even though I'm not into horse racing at all. And so I am making mint juleps on mm, nice. Saturday. Nice, so, nice. So, I'm, so for once, there's there's two cocktails going on in my life. So mm, I love it, love it. But not drinking anything right now because if I was drinking both of those things, I wouldn't be able to talk. So let's get into our discussion with our guest, Sydney. Sydney Chocolos, owner of Marathon Marketing and Branding, helps local business owners simplify their online marketing so they can stand out online, connect with their ideal customers, and generate more revenue in their business. She's been serving local businesses since 2015 and has almost a decade of marketing experience. Today, she's going to help us find our ideal client with this concept of design thinking. Sydney, welcome to the show. Thank you guys so much. I'm so excited to be here. We're so excited to have you and to dive into design thinking, which is both a very is new concept for both Jesse and I. But first off, this is cocktails and content creation. So what are you drinking? Yes. So I made myself since it's a little early, I made myself a little mocktail and Ooh. I've got some Perrier and raspberry lemonade in it. And it's pretty good. Ooh. I love that. It looks so pretty too. <laughs> I tried to do a sugar rim, but it didn't exactly work so well, but <laughs> it tastes I like delicious. Yours. 
style. Oh. And now I think I need some of that. My goodness. I know right. that does sound really good. That sounds really good. And I know you, so you're in Virginia, we're in Boston today. It's like where we are, it's like 54 and rainy. So it's disgusting, but I'm sure it's a little bit nicer down where you are. It's so it's not probably... too different here. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Unfortunately. You're it's just getting... like the whole East Coast is just probably covered yeah. in one just giant cloudy. <laughs> you're just getting ready for summer then is what's going on here. You know, yes, we got Memorial Day eager. coming up. So hopefully, hopefully we got the good weather coming up yes. in front of us. Well, all right. Well, Jesse gave us a little rundown about, you know, your business and what you, what you do with that, but tell us a little bit about your journey, how you got there and what it is you do now. Yeah. So I had a little bit of an unconventional journey. I always say I, I fell on my business kind of by luck. So I had done a business program after I finished my undergrad. And one of the things I really loved was marketing and communications. That was my favorite part of the program. And I was doing consulting up in the Washington, D.C. area. And it was marketing and communications focused, but it was actually for the federal government. So it was a very different line of work. And my boyfriend, now my husband, but his parents run two local restaurants. And they weren't so happy with the marketing firm they had hired for their social media and email marketing. And so they approached me and they said, would you be interested in trying this out and managing our social media for us? And at the time, I, you know, living up in the D.C. area, it's expensive. You always want to take that extra income. And I said, sure, I will learn. And so I really fell into social media. That way I started managing the social media for their restaurants and ended up being really good at it, ended up really liking it. Their accounts were growing. They were seeing great results. And fast forward a little bit more, I ended up in Charlottesville, Virginia, and I was working in higher education. And I was still doing the social media management as a side hustle. And once I had grown my business to five clients, I got to the point where I said, okay, I'm either going to continue with this side hustle or it's time for me to to commit to this career path in higher education. And so followed my passion one month before COVID hit, I quit my full-time job, started my business, and it's been growing ever since. And it's been so fantastic to work with a ton of different local business owners over the last, what, almost eight years and just getting to help them grow online. And, And social media has become such a different place than it was when I started in 2015, but I think that's one of the things I really love about it is you can't get bored. <laughs> now, what was that like with that sort of ro- like split in the road where you were like, I either need to, I don't want to use the word, the, you know, the S word or get off the pot kind of. <laughs> yeah, no, that is what it felt like because yeah. I got to this point where I, I just felt like I couldn't do it all anymore. I was, I was doing recruiting and marketing. So I was actually traveling. I spent 50 plus days a year um, in a hotel room. And so it was a lot of work, a lot of long nights. And my husband was like, you got to pick something because you're going to get so burnt out. And I just committed and said, I'm going to finally do it. And in the morning that I was going to actually quit my job, I remember stepping out of the office. I was so nervous to talk to my boss and said, am I really going to do this? Like, am I really going to leave like the income and the benefits? And he's like, go back in. It's what you want. You can do it. It'll be fine. <laughs> and it was fine. It actually ended up being perfect timing. And I, I mean, obviously with COVID, a lot of people go, oh my God, that that's a time to start a business. But it actually ended up being the best time for me to start my business because 
when a lot of local businesses couldn't be open, they realized, crap, I haven't been focusing on my social media or my online marketing or my email, and they had no way to communicate. And so I actually got really busy and it actually worked out in my favor. But my my biggest piece of advice to people that are considering which way to go is just having some faith in yourself, having the confidence that you can do it. I think a lot of times I found myself saying, who am I to go and do this and start the business? But then I, I went back and said, I've been getting results for businesses now for, for over five years. Like I can do this. I can take that leap. And I just need to have the faith in myself and commit to it fully. And it was the best decision I ever made. We've actually heard a lot of people who have come on the show and started their businesses like either right before COVID or during COVID have kind of a similar experience. Um, I know with me, I, you know, I have my own blog, but I also write for other small businesses as a blogger. And a lot of my clients were coming to me or, or people that, that ended up hiring me on um, were saying, you know, I really hadn't had the time to think about my blog. And now I have everything all the time in the world. And I'm realizing that I need to update, be updating my website. Like, okay, I'm just, you know, I've got this backlog of pictures. I'm going to do it now. And, you know, so it, it was an interesting time for a lot of businesses. I think for some, it may have not been a lot of businesses, obviously it wasn't a great time, but for a lot of people like in this digital sphere, it really was, um, kind of a, a, a time to jump on it. Yeah. It, so. it was the, it was that prime opportunity. And and one thing that that time period really validated for me was just the power of having a strong online presence. Because yes. when my clients, like one was a restaurant, one was a garden center, and when they had to pivot and couldn't be open, we were able to launch a Shopify site for both of those businesses. And they were able to communicate right away because they'd been putting the focus for years into their marketing and they were able to reach their customers and they were able to get through that hard time. And so I, it's definitely, it was, it was definitely a pivotal moment, I think for a lot of businesses. I totally agree. Well now, okay, we're going to jump right into this. And as yeah. we said at the beginning, Jesse and I really are newbies to this whole concept of design thinking. So can you break it down for us? You know, right. high level, high level definition of design thinking, but we refrain from Googling. So yeah, yeah. we, are, we <laughs> wanted to be Yes. Love it. And if you guys need me to like clarify anything, I am happy to do that for you. So uh, I came across the concept of design thinking when I was working at the Darden School of Business here in Charlottesville, and I decided to take their certificate program. And it really is, design thinking is a tool to creatively problem solve, and it is a human-centered approach to problem solving. So you put your people at the center of the problem or the challenge that your business is trying to solve or the, the challenge or problem you're trying to solve for your people. And one of the best things about design thinking that I love is, yes, you creatively problem solve and you come up with these solutions, but design thinking is really about getting to the root of what is causing your people to struggle with that problem or challenge. It's not about putting a Band-Aid solution on things. It's really identifying that core thing that they're struggling with and then coming up with creative solutions that's, that are going to solve it. And one of the great things about design thinking and the process as a whole is that it is super cheap um, as your business to execute and it allows you to try out different solutions. And if something doesn't work out, you can fail fast and you can adjust really quickly. So instead of investing all this money 
and a solution <laughs> and then it not working out, this kind of allows you to have some easy, easy things to implement that are cost effective for your business and you can adjust as you go along. And like I said, you don't have to be creative. You don't have to consider yourself a creative person, but you get these really creative solutions from using. We're thinking about the problem. And we've talked about this a lot in this, this podcast about understanding our audience, you know, our ideal client, our audience avatar, what their pain points are, what their problems are in ways to create content. And mainly it's centered around content, but I think it, you know, to your point, it can go beyond like actually developing maybe an offer or product Mm -hmm. that actually really solves that problem. And therefore you can then create, you understand like, you know, some of the copy and the messaging that can go along with it. Um, But how can we use this or, you know, how can we think about this concept when, you know, trying to identify our ideal client and like, how can we start to think about it in terms of market research? Okay. We're going to use this like idea of human, human centered approach um, to really figure out what um, our ideal client profile is, what their pain points are. How can we actually start to think about that? Yeah. So the beautiful thing about the design thinking process is that it starts back at that stage of doing that market research and building out those ideal client profiles. So before you're brainstorming all of these things, you have to understand your people. You have to understand who you're serving and what their needs truly are. And so design thinking, I can kind of give a high level overview. The process as a whole, you're going to start with what's called ethnographic interviewing, which I just call it. It's market research. It's interviewing people and having conversations and understanding them better. Then you're taking that data, you're analyzing it. And then you're implementing other processes or creative brainstorming kind of exercises that design thinking employs, and then coming up with your solutions based off of all of the research that you did. So design thinking actually starts with doing market research and starting to have conversations and talking to people to understand them a lot better. Yeah, that makes that makes that makes sense. So okay, so when I guess if you're just starting out really like early on in business some people Mm -hmm. are like well I have no idea who who these people are maybe they've only had like two or three clients like yeah how can you pull I mean I think having those one-on-one conversations in that particular instance is going to be extremely valuable because you know when you're looking at like just survey data having a pool of three people isn't going to tell you much as having those like deeper one-on-one conversations, but what, you know, I don't know if you have any quick thoughts on like, well, what if you're just starting out and you literally have had three clients or three customers or you have this business and you have no like, customers is it possible to do something like that. If you're, if you are at the very beginning, or is that something you have to like get into your business a little bit and then get going? Yeah, that's a great question. So it is absolutely something you can do at the beginning of your business. And it's actually something I did at the beginning of my business when I was just starting out too. So what I recommend is putting yourself out there and asking people for some of their time. So have this rigid understanding or outline of who it is that you want to serve and then go out there and seek those conversations. So whether that's getting in a Facebook group and putting out a call that you want to have these 15 minute conversations, whether it's getting on your Instagram stories and talking to your audience and inviting people find those ways to recruit participants. And sometimes it might take a little bit of an incentive, like, Hey, come have a a 15, 20 minute conversation with me. And I'm going to give you, you know, your next Starbucks drink on me just so 
you know, as a, as a thank you for your time. But I do think that a lot of people do want to help <laughs> and put that call out there, ask people to have conversations. I remember when I was first starting out, I had started my Facebook group and I just put a call out in my Facebook group. It was growing pretty steadily. And I said, hey, if you want to have a conversation with me, I'm trying to better understand, you know, people that struggle with content creation. So if you're struggling with creating content for your social media, your email, whatever it may be, I want to have a conversation with you. And as a as an incentive for a little bit of your time, I'll provide you a few tips based off the conversation and what you share with me to help advance it. And I had some really great responses and I had a lot of great conversations that got me going in the right direction. So you may not necessarily know exactly who this person is yet, but like you might have an idea. Okay. Like I know I'm, I'm mainly my customers are going to be women or mainly they're going to be, you know, I'm thinking they're going to be maybe in their 35 to 50 range. And so you can kind of target it a little bit there to start that conversation. Even if in the end, maybe you might discover that actually your, your person is going to be more, you know, 40 and 60, or it might be, you know, you might actually you know, have an offer tailored towards men versus women, or maybe it's both, but it kind of like, at least the way I heard from you is like, you kind of have like, you know, vague idea, even if you haven't had customers before, and then you go from there. Yeah. And that it, and it might shift a little, you know, who you thought your ideal customer was, you might start having conversations and going, okay, maybe this isn't who I wanted to serve Mm. as much. Mm -hmm. And then you adjust and you put that call out again, and you start having those conversations, but at least you figured it out early versus going through all the hassle of creating something for your business or an offer. And then you put it out there and no one buys. And it turns out it's because it's for the wrong person. Right. So, so have those conversations. Like if you're, let's say you're like a pediatric sleep consultant and I'm using this example because it's someone who went through my content creation course, they, they put a call out and said, you know, I'm looking to talk to moms who their babies are between the ages of six months and four years old um, their, their child struggles with sleeping at night or they wake up early or you can't get a predictable nap schedule down. And she put that call out and then she was able to have some really good conversations and, and dive deeper. So yeah, just having that rough outline is, is a good, I love that. I love that. So, okay. So we've got this rough outline or maybe you are a little bit further in business and you actually have a pretty good idea and you're starting there. So now that we've got this call out and people are like, sure, sure. Okay. Now what are we going to say to these people? What's this yeah, conversation what, what, going to look like? What are the yeah. questions are we going to ask them? How do we know what questions to ask is my question. Yes, this is my favorite. So I, I do want to make a distinction. When you're going through this process of creating your questions and you're getting ready to ask people, I'm really going to encourage you to actually have a conversation with them instead of putting out a survey because there's a couple things. One, I think that people rush through surveys. I think that People tend to not always put a ton of thought into survey responses. But not only that, when you're having conversations with people, sometimes the real gold comes from a follow-up question. So they give you an answer, but then you follow up with them and you're like, oh my gosh, I never thought about this before. They say something that kind of intrigues you and you want to know more and you can't get that from a survey. That's why you really want to have the conversation and you want to know exactly how they're talking about it, how they phrase it. I also think there's a lot of value in like, seeing people's body language as you're having conversations. Like, are there certain things like you can tell it's really a struggle for them because they're tensing up, you know, and you can kind of dive a little bit deeper into that. But 
when you're starting to formulate these questions, so you really want to have a goal in mind with the design thinking, right? So you're, let's say you're thinking about designing, let's take like, hmm, let's go ahead and use like the pediatric sleep consultant approach. So let's say that they want to design a program and they want it to be for moms that are struggling to get their child to sleep. You're going to want to have like that end goal in mind of like, okay, I'm, I'm thinking about formulating this program. Now I want to start asking questions around what they struggle with. There's a couple of rules that I really think that are important to follow. The first thing is you want your questions to be open-ended. So you don't really want them to be like these yes or no questions. You want them to be questions where they're going to be able to give you answers, where you can dive deeper, where you can ask follow-up questions. Um, a lot of times these questions are very process driven. So I think that's a great place to start. You know, what does nighttime look like for you and your little one would be like an example of a question I might ask if I'm that pediatric sleep coach. What does nighttime look like? And just let them talk. Let them give instead of starting with like telling me why tell me why it's so hard to put your child to sleep. That that's kind of like a leading question and you're automatically assuming it's really hard. And versus if you're asking, tell me what it's like to put your child to sleep at night, maybe their answer is actually something like, well, I I do these three things and then I put them in their crib and they fall asleep really quickly. But then an hour later, they're waking up and then two hours later, they're waking up again. The problem isn't that it was hard to get them to fall asleep. The problem is that it's hard to get them to stay asleep. And so maybe that's something that you want to that's something that you want to focus on. And content that could be helpful for your ideal client. Maybe it's not just getting the child to sleep. It's how do you get the child to stay asleep. And so you're uncovering these types of things by asking questions about the process, asking questions about, you know, how they feel. Like, how do you feel when nighttime starts to approach? Or, you know, they might be talking like, oh, I get really anxious because I don't know what I'm going to get. Or Talk to me a little bit about what your day-to-day looks like. Just walk me through your day step-by-step with your kid. What does their routine look like? And by having these conversations, you can really start to uncover, you know, maybe there's stuff throughout the day that's affecting the sleep at night if that's your role. And so start with these high-level questions. Ask them about their process. Follow up with how they're feeling. But try not to ask leading questions. Uh, And I can also give an example for my business, I'm giving a lot of baby sleep examples just because my son doesn't sleep and he's six months old. So it's very top of mind. Um, but when I approached my market research questions, one of the things I just said was, tell me about your process for creating content. And I just left it really open-ended. And one of the things that I was able to uncover in that answer was that a lot of people didn't actually even have a process. Like I would get an answer back and they'd kind of laugh and they'd go, oh, that'd be nice if I had a process. Like I just kind of, you know, I open my Instagram app and I decide that I need to post that day. And so I kind of just think about it and try to figure out what the people would want me to say. And so um, I would dive deeper and say, okay, tell me a little bit more about when you open your app. Do you feel like, like, what is that process like when it's time for you to post? And they could elaborate and say, okay, well, it actually feels really hard because i don't really know what they want me to share about. I've just kind of been guessing and 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 having those conversations and having that follow-up has been really valuable. And then like one of the follow-up questions I even asked when I was creating my offer was like, well, do you do you even do you want to have a process? 
And some people would say, yeah, you know, I want to have this process for creating content. And so I want to be organized. I want my marketing to feel easier because right now it feels really hard. And so having these conversations and diving deeper um, is really going to help. And and it was also really helpful in the market research process because I was able to ask, like, you know, where is it that you get stuck? Like, let's say you're writing a post. Where is it that you get stuck? Or um, once you've created that content, what do you do after? So when you go to create that next piece of content, what do you do after that? And trying to like figure out what the, it looked like for them. And, and a lot of these questions and being able to clarify was just really helpful. And there's a lot of gold in the follow-up. So when you ask about someone's process, you can say, you said this, or you use this word. Tell me why you use this word or tell me why you you do things this way. Can you tell me a little bit more about it? And that's when you're able to really extensively understand the nitty gritty details of the people that you want to serve. And I think that's something you don't always necessarily get with a survey. Mm, oh my gosh, that was literally so good. Yes. So hopefully that really explained. So. All right. Well, we have now, so now we got an idea of what we're going to be doing an idea of what questions we're going to be asking without leading people on. So you've done all this work. How do you put it into effect? Like in terms of your content? Oh, you have, well, I have a, I have a question before that, or like a little nugget, like a little, when you were saying that, as you said, the follow-up questions are gold. Yeah. Like how do, how do we then translate this to content and copy? But like, which I already got from you when you were talking about the, the sleep practitioner, right. Where you said the, problem isn't that you that nighttime like getting them to sleep isn't the problem the problem is having them stay asleep and that's like that could easily be turned into like like a main tagline like to the offer and so right like that's that's why I think your approach is so interesting is because you you literally can use their words for the copy and messaging right so talk to us about Talk to us about this. Like, give us like any more examples that are like, you know, for, for website or Instagram or blogs or whatever. Yeah. I I think the beautiful thing about design thinking and using it to create content. Yes. You're going to have your client profiles after that. And like what, what it is they struggle with and their demographics and all this information and their story. But now when it's time to create the content, your website, your social media, your blog, literally the most valuable content and the content that I found time and time again that converts better than anything else is taking your ideal client's words and just using it directly. A lot of times we get so caught up in our own language. And I think like being someone in the marketing field, it's easy to use these terms that people are like, what does that even mean? Right? It's not going to resonate with them. But if I go back and I go back to this conversation and then I create a piece of content directly on that, that's going to be the gold. So like, for example, if I'm a, the pediatric sleep coach and someone told me, you know, they go to sleep great, but then they're waking every two hours, I might start a social media post that says something like, why won't my child stay asleep through the night? Or why is your child struggling to stay asleep through the night? And then I might go on ahead and give those reasons. And I'm answering that question or that problem that they gave me in the conversation and using that to really uncover it. Um, the other thing that it's really valuable in for website copy, because when you're having these conversations, uh, another, this made me think of another question that's good to ask is in your perfect world, what does this process look like? If, 
if like everything was all fine and dandy, what would the process look like for you? Like, how would it feel to create content in your perfect world? How would it feel to, you know, how, what is, what is your baby's sleep like in your perfect world? Like, what does that look like for you? And having people describe that state they want, you can also take that copy and you can use that as like the tagline on your website. Like this is the end result that they want. And you're talking about how you're, you're giving them that perfect solution or that thing that they want, that ideal end state. Because I think that's important in marketing too. We don't just want to focus on the problem, but we want to show them, hey, we can give them exactly what they want. So taking those words and using them on your website, using them in an, in an Instagram post, using them in your podcast episodes or your blog, like all of that is really going to help draw them in. And you can use this for like blog post titles. You can use this for just general copy. I think that it makes a huge difference. Um, another example I'll give just because I used this when I was creating like my sales copy page. One of the things that I was talking to someone and they said, the only people, it's so frustrating. Like the only people that like my content are my family or like my best friend. And I just want people that actually need what I have. Like right now I just have like my family. And so I literally took what that person said and put it in my sales page. Do you spend all this time creating content and the only person that likes your post is your mom? Like, and just put it out there. And there's like a little bit of humor, and but also a little bit of reality. And that and it makes it real. Yeah. It makes it real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so you can take those examples or those things they tell you during these interviews and literally use it. And it makes it makes everything so much easier. It makes the content so much more relatable to your people that you want to draw in and attract. I and love that. It's 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 gonna help you exponentially. <laughs> it's like yeah. those TikTok videos that you know people are basically doing day daily things where they're like you know me when my husband comes home and doesn't do the dish, you know, and it's just them doing nothing. But like it's such relatable content. So like when someone's reading that copy, like like you just said, Kate, you're like, oh my god, I've been there, like that sort of copy yes. that is so relatable because let's face it we're also not so unique we all a lot of us are like facing the same challenges yeah and so it's like oh yeah i get that and likely somebody else will get that too yeah and that's <sighs> the goal you want someone to read your stuff and go oh my god this is me or like yeah i've said that before <laughs> you know that that's the goal that's the that's when you know that your content is hitting the mark when you have yeah. people are like, oh, yeah, I love this, oh God, I love this idea. Yeah. <laughs> well, so. I think we can go on and on and on about this because you've given us so much, but it's also super yeah. clear. And I think people yes. can like definitely get started, but where can people find out more um, about you and your service and your offers? Um, and all yeah, the absolutely. So my website is marathonmarketingbranding.com. So you can go there to connect with me. I have a link to my Facebook group. I also have a link to my podcast, uh, Marketing Your Local Business Online. And then my Instagram is at Marathon Marketing Branding. And and one of the things I have coming up that I am super excited about is I'm opening the enrollment back up for my content creation boot camp. And so if you're a local business that is looking to really amplify your content creation and and have a system for it that 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 will be opening again um and starting on june 6th 
Well, what you said, so you say local. So does that mean that you work with them in person or do you work with them via, you know, can you, do you work with people digital? Yeah, it's all, so it's a, it's actually a digital course and it's, well, I like to say like a supported digital course. So it's not like you're going to just jump in and be on your own. You have Mm -hmm. a Facebook group to ask questions and I have, um, I have monthly Q and A's where people can come in and submit anything that they're struggling with, but um, it's really for local business owners that are located anywhere. So they don't just have to be in Virginia. Great. Well, if you'd send us the link for that, we'll put that also in the mm-hmm. show. That'd Absolutely. be awesome. Sydney, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you guys so much for having me. It's a lot of fun and I nerd out about design thinking. So <laughs> I love any opportunity I get to talk about it. Well, we love it now too. So hopefully our listeners will also get more into it. So thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you guys. So as we mentioned, we didn't know what design thinking was. (laughs) We saved ourselves the Google search and wanting to be surprised. And I will tell you everything that she said. um, I was really like, I got so excited during during that episode, I think for me taking the extra time in interview, you know, the process of interviewing versus surveys, because we're so quick to do surveys because, you know, you can just send them out and magically get responses. But if you're just starting out, especially in business and you have like three people or whatever, three past clients, customers, like your survey results aren't going to be informative at all. So having those deeper conversations through the interview process and asking those um, those key types of questions that she was talking about is really going to um, serve you better. I think it's also important to realize that when you send out a survey, you, you know, yes, you may be getting a lot more answers um, from people, which which can be helpful, but being able to have those in-depth conversations. So maybe you're not getting as many voices in there, but you're really, you can really dig down mm-hmm. to the meat of the, of the issues that are, you know, you're trying to solve, um, which can be sometimes and it sounds like most times more beneficial than just getting more answers. Yes, you know, more exactly. more superficial. And I, and I don't want to call it superficial, but you know, more of the baseline answers. Like you know, the the this is this is the problem. You know, well, it's like almost being able to follow up the question with why, why. Well, it's hard. It's hard why? to do the follow up, and it's hard to also have those yeah. open ended questions and surveys because people are lazy, and if you just send them a link to do it, they're probably not going to spend a lot of time with them. And yeah. so you're you're better off just having that conversation to really um, hear it directly from them and mm-hmm. also pull out more if they have a short response or those follow-ups. So I'd also feel like a, somebody would be more willing to, uh, I'd be more willing to work with somebody that actually like listened to my problems and not just like ask some generic questions on a survey. I think that it, it shows that level of their commitment to not only their, their business and making sales, but also to actually solving my problem and not just kind of here, this is a quick solution. You're all set, you know? So that's, that's another, I think that's another added benefit that maybe we didn't wholly touch on in this episode, mm-hmm, but that's mm-hmm. something that I really picked up on. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I think that does it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening to Cocktails and Content Creation. Make sure to join our Facebook group, Cocktails and Content Creation Community. You can also follow us on Instagram at Cocktails and Content Creation. I'm Kate Andrews, and you can follow me on Instagram at Fashionably Kate and Co. And I'm Jesse Wyman. You can follow me on Instagram at Jesse Wyman Photos or at the Brand Photographer Method if you are looking to get into brand photography. Make sure to tune in next time for another great episode of Cocktails and Content Creation. Until then, cheers to your next cocktail. 
and happy content creating. Mm-hmm.